by the Angie app, Craig Tool Company, and Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show, on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And as you look around your house, your home, your apartment, your condo, your yurt, wherever you live, wherever you call home, is there a project or two or three that you would like to get done well, guess what? We are here. We're on your team. We're ready to roll up our sleeves and get going. We could do that by answering any question that you have about those projects around the house because we've been doing this for a long time and we have heard it all. We have done a good part of it and we're ready to help share that knowledge with you to make your projects get done easier, faster, quicker, and with less wasted money in the process. So give us a call with those questions at one eight 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 Money Pit, or you can post your questions to MoneyPit.com. Coming up on today's show, if you're the parent of a college student or you know one who is, we are about to enter what I call the silly season because it's when real estate agents press young, inexperienced students to sign leases that are typically chock full of ridiculous requirements and stiff fines and lots of fees that anyone renting outside of a college town would find ludicrous. We're going to tell you what to look for to prepare your young renters from these somewhat predatory practices. And now that we're nearing the end of summer, it's a good time to think about bringing the green inside with houseplants. But if you feel like you were born with maybe not the greenest thumb, fear not. With the right plants and a few tips, we can help get you on the path to redemption and forgiveness with our list of the top five healthiest and hardest to kill houseplants. And as you look around your home, are cracks and holes and nail pops taken away from your otherwise well-maintained space? We're going to have tips on how to fix them yourself in just a bit. Plus, if you'd like to build projects that require a little joinery to keep those things together, we've got a great tool to give away today from Craig Tool. And it's the Craig Pocket Hole Jig 520 Pro, which is worth $99. And it's going out to one listener drawn at random. So if you're a DIYer, you like to build stuff, why don't you give us a call with your questions and you might just win that Craig Pocket Hole Jig 520 Pro. The number here again is 888-MONEY-FIT. That's 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Caitlin and I was on the line and need some help restoring an old bath. Tell us what's going on. Hi. Um, my husband and I moved into our 1917 farmhouse about a year ago, and our main bathroom only has a clawfoot tub, and we would like a shower in it. So I was wondering if you had any tips on restoring the clawfoot tub and installing a shower kit. So you want to keep the tub, right? You don't want to put a separate shower. You just want to basically plumb up a shower head into that, correct? Correct. Since it's a clawfoot tub, if you disconnect the plumbing, then you can get that out of the house because the best way to, to refinish that, or resurface that, is to send it out to a company that does that because if you do it in the house itself, they can come in with acids and they can etch the old finish and they can add a new finish and then they can bring in heat lights and bacon on. But I've found that it doesn't work nearly as well as basically sending it out to a place that's set up to re-enamel a tub. 
and then you're going to have one that really lasts for the long haul. And um, after that, you know, installing a shower kit to that is is pretty much a plumbing project. Lots of places like Restoration Hardware um, have kits, or you can find them online where you could basically plumb up the pipe that comes up and then arcs over for the shower head, and you need a nice circular shower curtain, um, a shower bar above it for a curtain. And, you know, all that's easy, but the hard part is getting the tub re-enameled. Okay. And how costly is re-enameling a tub? It's probably not as expensive as buying a new tub, and it's going to last indefinitely. Okay. Well, thank you for your advice. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now we're heading to North Carolina where Fred's on the line with a humidity problem. How can we help you? I've got two daughters who I think live in our bathroom, <laughs> uh, constant, constantly taking showers, which is, I guess, a good problem to have. But I, I'm starting to smell mold and stuff in the house. I think it's tied to that. Um, and before I even get into it, I figured I'd do the smart thing and call you guys. Well, you know, bathrooms are sources of enormous humidity during those showers, the extended showers. Do you have a bathroom fan? Do you have a ceiling fan? Um, I do, but it's ancient. Okay. Well, it should still work even if it's ancient. So here's a couple of things that you can do. Um, First of all, make sure it's working. Make sure it's vented outside. That's important. Secondly, it's a good idea to run it for a good 10 or 15 minutes after the shower is completed and after you leave the room. There's actually a switch that can do that for you. It's made by Leviton. And it's a humidity sensor and fan control. And essentially the way it works is it does just that. It senses the humidity level inside the room and will automatically turn it off when the humidity goes down. Because if you can reduce the amount of moisture that's staying in that bathroom, you will dramatically reduce the amount of mold growth that you're getting on tile and other places. So I would suggest that you check the fan to make sure it's functional and operational, that you replace the light switch or the fan switch with the humidity sensor and fan control from Leviton. And then give your bathroom a good cleaning to get rid of all the debris and mold that might be there now. And I think you'll see a dramatic difference because without that moisture sitting around for those long periods of time, you're just not going to have the same issues. And you know what, Fred, if this is a project you want to tackle yourself, but you're a little unsure, if you head on over to Leviton's website, right on the page with the humidity sensor and fan control, you'll find an installation video that'll talk you right through it. Uh, Okay. That's why I call the experts. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. 
Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Hey, do you like to build projects where you have to join boards together? Well, we've got the Craig Pocket Hole Jig 520 Pro to give away to one lucky listener. We're going to give it out to one person drawn at random that reaches us with their home improvement question. And this tool makes it easy to work with lots of different materials, including solid wood and plywood and composites. Also works well with one-by and two-by boards and hardwoods, and it's great for building inside projects like furniture or cabinets and outside projects like trellises or pergolas. The Craig Pocket Hole Jig 520 Pro retails for $99.99, and it's available at craigtool.com or nationwide at Home Depot, Lowe's, and other home centers, hardware stores, and woodworking retailers. But we've got one to give away to one listener, so make that you and call us now with your home improvement question or post it to moneypit.com. Betty in Tennessee, you've got the Money Pit. What's going on? Okay, I'm in Tennessee, and for several weeks on end, we have uh, temperatures from the mid-80s and up to almost 100. Um, During that time... When it's really hot, there is mold that comes um, into my closet that leads to the attic stairs. Okay. And it comes out from a couple of vents in in a couple of bathrooms and sort of on the ceiling and the hallway adjacent to the attic stairs. How do you know it's mold and not something else? Well, I mean, it's little black spots and... You know. The reason I say that is sometimes if you have a difference in temperatures, you will get condensation of basically the airflow on those surfaces. Now, that condensation can tend to deposit some of the dirt that's in the air. And it's not like you have a dirty house. It's just that sometimes you get uh, dirt particles in the air on the walls, and they'll stick to the cooler parts and not so much to the warmer parts. So, you know, one question I have is, is it really mold that you're seeing? Because mold doesn't usually become airborne. It just kind of grows on, on a surface. Well, I don't think it's sticking to cooler parts because the the closet that leads to the attic stairs, I mean, the heat uh, 
is intense in there, and I try to leave the door open as much as I can. So um, if it is mold that's forming, it sounds to me like it might it might potentially be in your duct system, which is unusual, but I'm wondering where else it could be. Have you had the system cleaned? Have you had the filters replaced on your systems? Because that should be trapping mold spores. No, I, re- I just really didn't know what to do. All right, well, here's what I would do. I would have the HVAC system inspected by your heating and cooling company to see if they find any of these deposits inside the system. If that's the case, I would have that and the duct system thoroughly clean. I usually don't recommend that because it's almost never necessary. But if you're getting this much mold forming in those areas, it may be that there are deposits inside the ducts and it does need to be cleaned. Just make sure it's done by a professional so it doesn't get released to other parts of the house, okay? Okay. Who would be the professional? Duct cleaning experts that um, have dealt with this problem before, and your HVAC company may be able to point you in the right direction. Thank you very much. Well, if you're the parent of a college student, we're about to enter what we call the silly season. Now, that's when real estate agents start to press these young, inexperienced students to sign leases that are really full of ridiculous requirements and stiff fines and fees that anyone renting outside of a college town would just find ludicrous. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've had kids moving in and out of college housing now for like 10 years, and it's really insane what you see. First, why is this the silly season? So what happens is kids move into schools end of August, September, and then right around October or so, about a month later, all of a sudden the leases come up for the following year. So you're talking about like a year in advance. Now, sometimes these kids are barely getting to know each other at this point, and they're forced to try to find a, a group of three or four to rent a house. But of course, there's not so many houses available, or at least that's what the realtors would have you believe. So there's all of this demand and anxiety around not only choosing your roommates, but also finding a house that's going to work for you. But that's not the half of it, because once you get into these houses and you choose one, I have read these leases for years, and they are just nuts. The things that are in these leases you wouldn't see anywhere else in any other housing market that is outside of a college town in America. For example... Uh, one house that my one of my kids moved into once had uh, hardwood floors throughout the whole house. And it was an older house, and frankly, it was terribly maintained, but that's where they wanted to live. So the lease said that the kids were required to cover every inch of the floor with carpet. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so when does a tenant have to carpet a house before they can move into it? Like, seriously, wall-to-wall carpet or area rugs layered? I don't know if it was wall-to-wall, but area rugs, but it was on top of each other. I mean, it was just nuts. Um, fines for the silliest of things. I remember once when my daughter moved out of a condominium that we spent hours cleaning and scrubbing car- carpets, carpet machine, the whole nine yards. It was in perfect shape, and she was fined for two things. So first, there was one dryer lint sheet that was stuck in between the dryer and the washer on the floor that somebody saw. One lint sheet. Get out. They charged her for this? That was a trash charge of eight bucks, but that's not the worst of it. Then in her bedroom on the back of her door handle, you know how sometimes kids will leave, or maybe maybe adults too, hair bands and things like that? Do you do that, a hair band like on a doorknob or something? I mean, I keep them on doorknobs. I keep them on right. the car shift. I keep them everywhere. <laughs> One hair band, eight bucks for charge. That's crazy. I mean, there's so many of these things. And what I found, Leslie, is that these real estate companies, these management companies, they keep these fees and these fines at just below what sort of the parent pain portal might be. 
So the parents go, it's only 20 bucks. Oh, it's 50 bucks. Oh, it's a hundred bucks. I'm just going to pay it. You know, they don't want to fight it, but collectively they're just making just boatloads of money off of these kids because they're inexperienced. I mean, think about it. They're around 18, 19. They've just become legal adults. They're probably signing their first real contract of their lives. And they have no way to understand if this is normal or not. I'm telling you, it's not. And finally, you got to watch out for the safety of your kids. I mentioned before that the house that my son moved into was not in good shape. That's kind of an understatement. This house had disconnected live wires that were hanging in different places. It had uh, bird nests in the attic. It had leaky oil tanks in the basement. It had uh, dryer exhaust ducts that were uh, pointed into the basement and circling all that dusty, dirty, lint-laden air, which is a fire hazard, right under the room's where they live and they sleep. It was a mess. I got no satisfaction from the real estate agents. They were just jerking me around. So I went to the head building inspector of the town. I said, hey, you got to fix this. And man, he must have come up with 15 or 20 different violations for that house. And all we wanted them to do was clean up the easy stuff. But I mean, I had to go through all that trouble just to get them to do the right thing. So you need to make sure that those houses are safe. The bottom line is this. If your kids are looking at houses, tell them, tell them, tell them, don't sign anything until you have a chance to review the house and review the lease. It's really, really critical. Well, that's good advice. I mean, a lot of people are going to deal with this very soon. All right, now we've got Diane in Illinois who needs some extra storage space at her money pit. How can we help you today? Well, I have a deck off of our master bedroom, and it's a 12 by 12 deck, and I want to turn it into a walk-in closet, and I want to bring my washer and dryer from the basement upstairs and put it into that closet. Well, this sounds like a good project, Diane, but I have to tell you that generally when people try to convert a deck into a finished room, I've seen it done many, many times, especially in the 20 years I spent as a professional home inspector. It just doesn't work for a lot of reasons. Now, I, I can understand that you want it to you know, flow nicely into the house and all of that, but you're really talking about an addition here. And if you're going to build an addition, you typically we're going to build it different than a deck. What I would recommend is that even though this is a small project, it's a complicated project because not only do you want a closet, you also want laundry there. I think this is a great opportunity for you to consult with an architect because you have a lot to do to get this done correctly and you also don't want to make it look like it's sort of slapped on the outside of your house because it's going to detract from your home value. But every single time I've seen somebody try to take a deck and convert it into leading, living space, it's never worked out too well. It might be that you can preserve some of the framing and maybe incorporate it in there, but it's going to now be living space. It's going to have to be heated. It's going to have to be cooled. It's going to have to have wiring. It's going to have to have plumbing. You know, it's a it's an addition. It's no longer going to be in a deck. So while that space might fit well for it, you know, starting with the existing deck doesn't always make the most sense. Okay. Okay. So what would we would have to just tear that deck down and start over, or you may, but that's why I say let's not speculate on this and let's not make a wrong step. This is a type of project where you are well um, advised to hire an architect. It's not going to be an expensive uh, consulting fee because it's a small project. But it's really smart to do that in this situation because you'll find out what you can save and what you have to tear down. You won't make a costly mistake. Okay. I didn't want anything falling off the house and tearing a roof apart, and I didn't want to have to do all of that. So I appreciate your advice. Thank you, Diane. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now we've got Vernon in Colorado who's fixing up the bath. How can we help you? I had heard a while back on your show, if you're going to recalk your bathtub, 
to fill it up with water, but I do not remember if anything was said about uh, removing the water immediately after it was caulked or letting the caulk set up first before you would let the water out. So I wanted to check on that before I uh, started my project with some good uh, kitchen and bath uh, caulk. Well, absolutely. The tip you heard about filling the tub with water is totally correct. And the reason why we do that is when you fill the tub with water, it sort of weighs down and sits down onto the base a little more. So if you fill it with water and then go ahead and caulk, then you let the caulk dry and then you drain the bath. When it sort of empties out, it's going to lift back up and compress that caulk. So the next time you actually go to take a bath or a shower and you're standing in there and the tub presses down on the base, it's going to stretch the caulk and it's all going to stay in place. So that's really a good trick of the trade because it keeps it in its place longer and it really lets it adhere to where it needs to be. Perfect. Okay, that's what I'll do. Thank you so much. Well, guys, now that we are nearing the end of summer, it's a good time to think about bringing the green inside with houseplants. But if you feel like you weren't necessarily born with any luck when it comes to plants, fear not, because with the right plants and a few tips, we can help you get on the path to redemption with our list of the top five hardest-to-kill houseplants. And no, they're not synthetic. These are real houseplants, (laughs) real live houseplants. Yeah, you know, one of the main problems I think that people run into when they're trying to grow a house plant is that they pick a plant that maybe just has some super fussy needs. And if your new plant requires a lot of light and your home doesn't really get much, it's not going to work out. Or say if it needs constant moisture and frequent fertilizing and you're just not that consistent, that plant is going to be super stressed out. But the trick here is to choose a plant that's well suited to what you have to give it. Now, fortunately, there are lots of beautiful and very low-maintenance plants to choose from. So let's start with the snake plant, which is also called the mother-in-law's tongue. I have no idea why, but it's interesting. Uh, it's a hardy plant, likes a lot of light, and other than that, it can kind of go weeks without attention. Uh, and if it gets enough light, it will even bloom, and it can grow a stalk of very fragrant, sort of light green blossoms, which are beautiful and smell very nice. Then there's the jade plant, a very attractive plant, also needs plenty of light, but not so much water. If the soil feels dry, you water it. But if it gets too dry, it actually will go dormant for a while, which buys you a little extra time between those waterings. Now, let's talk about the golden pothos. And this plant also goes by the name Devil's Ivy, but it's definitely on the good side, guys. Now, it's one of the plants that's named by NASA as an excellent air cleaner, and it likes to dry out between waterings. But if you see that it's starting to lose some leaves, that means it's too dry, and it actually can handle some low light conditions. Another great choice is aloe. Now, cooks like to keep the spiky succulent in the kitchen so that they can snap off one of the leafy, like, fleshy leaves. And when you see it, when you rip it open, there's like a gel inside, which is aloe gel. And you can use that to treat burns. Now, it's going to thrive with indirect light and a deep watering every few weeks. Now, next up is lucky bamboo. And this really is the right plant for you if you tend to overwater because it's often grown directly in water. Although, once those roots are well established, you can plant it in some soil and lucky bamboo is going to grow well in bright and indirect sunlight for more choices see our 13 hardest to kill house plants on moneypit.com mary in illinois is on the line with a painting question how can we help you today i want to uh, paint a fireplace it's brick and just want to know if there's uh, if you can do that first of all if there's a certain kind of paint you need to use has it been painted before or is it natural brick no it's uh, natural brick, original brick. Well, you certainly can paint it, but I would think very carefully before you do this, because once you paint, you have to repaint. 
eventually. And fireplaces tend to get very dirty and very smoky, and they're hard to keep clean. If it's just the color that you don't like, there may be some ways to sort of decorate around that color. But I would, would really hesitate to tell you to paint it. We get a lot of calls from folks that are not happy with painted fireplaces. They want to know how to do the exact opposite, which is get the paint off. And once you paint, it's just really hard to do that. Okay. I was kind of worried about whether it would peel or or when you say it just gets, you just have to keep repainting because of... Well, paint over time is going to crack and dry out, and it will get so dirty just from, you know, the exhaust and the use of the fireplace that you'll get sort of that that haze around the upper portion of it, regardless of what type of screen you have. Um, Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that since this will be its first time being painted, the brick is so porous that you're going to put a lot of time into priming because it's just going to absorb all of that primer. And you want to get a good quality primer. You want to make sure that you brush in the grout lines, roll on the surfaces of the brick, brush again. So it's it's a lot of steps. It can be done. But as Tom said, if you want to take that paint off, it's now a chemical stripper. And because that brick is so porous, it's going to have sucked in all of that color. And so it'll never get back to that original brick look again. It'll have that sort of hue of whatever color it was. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Well, if you'd like to build projects where you're joining boards together, we've got a great prize for you. It's the Craig Pocket Hole Jig 520 Pro, and it is a fantastic tool for you to have. It makes it easy to work with a wide variety of materials, including solidwood, plywood, composites, as well as one-by, two-by boards and hardwoods. It's great if you want to build some indoor projects like furniture or cabinets, even shelving. And if you've got an outdoor project in mind, this is perfect for a trellis or a pergola. The Craig Pocket Hole Jig 520 Pro retails for $99.99, and it's available at craigtool.com or nationwide at Home Depot, Lowe's, and other home centers, hardware stores, and woodworking retailers. But we've got one to give away to a lucky listener drawn at random. Make that you. Call us with your home improvement, your reno, your repair, your decor questions at 888-MONEYPIT or post them to moneypit.com. Stephen, Wisconsin is on the line with some cracks in the driveway. It's good to take care of these things now before the winter sets in. What's going on? Not actually the crack, but the expansion joint between the garage and the driveway. And if I could fill that with some type of caulking so the water doesn't run down in there and then freeze. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because if you let the water accumulate under the driveway and under the edge of the garage, not only will you have issues with freezing, but the water can wash out the soil and then you can get some cracks in the slabs. So the best way to fill that is not with caulking per se, but there's a type of self-leveling sealant that's perfect for that. Quickrete makes it. It's called an advanced polymer self-leveling sealant. And the way you use it is you have to insert a backer rod into that gap first. And that's like a foam tube that you buy. You buy the size that's slightly bigger than uh, than the gap, and you push it in place, and you get it sort of below the surface of where you're going to apply the sealant. And then that stops the sealant from falling down into the, you know, the big void underneath it. And then you apply the self-leveling sealant. It flows out. It gets tacky in about an hour, so it doesn't take a long time to set. And then it will expand and contract with the driveway. Now, I've used this because I like the fact that it stops all the debris from falling in there because you can get debris and you'll get seeds that will sprout weeds and things like that. But it's also very easy to use. And because it expands and contracts, you know, you're not going to have to do this every couple of years. If you do it once and you do it right, you won't have to do it again for quite a while. Well, thanks, Tom. And then it's advanced polymer, huh? Yep, that's right. It's called Quickrete's Advanced Polymer Self-Leveling Sealant. It's the self-leveling aspect that's perfect for this driveway. 
Okay, thank you very much. Well, drywall repairs are one of the most common home maintenance jobs that we get to take on as homeowners. But if you don't do them right, you'll be doing them again and again and again. So to avoid the pitfalls, you need a pro and you got to plan it out carefully. We'll share tips on how you can do just that in today's pro project presented by Angie, your home for everything home. Well, the three most common types of repairs needed are nail pops, holes, and cracks. And DIYers that take on these projects often find themselves doing them over and over and over again because those cracks or those holes keep coming back. But the pros, they seem to get it right the first time. So here are some key tricks. First of all, let's talk about nail pops. Now, these result from a nail that has loosened and then starts to back out of the drywall, but tapping that nail back in really isn't enough to prevent it from happening again. Instead, the pros are going to add an additional fastener on top of the loose one to secure it in place, and then they spackle and sand to make the entire repair virtually invisible. Now, fixing up a wall or ceiling crack is another very tricky job. The best way to do that is to use a strong perforated drywall tape and this kind of tape has large squares and looks almost like netting. And pros will apply this first to bridge the gap at the crack, and then we'll use a very skilled hand to spackle over the tape using multiple thin, very thin coats. That's the key, so it can be sanded, primed, and then repainted. Now, filling the holes in drywall is a bigger job, and for that, you're going to need a scrap of drywall, a leftover piece of window screening, some joint compound, and a few common tools. Now, pros know that the best way to patch a hole is to actually cut the hole to fit the patch, not the other way around, even if that means making the hole a little bit bigger. Next, they're going to apply two to three thin coats of spackle, and once it's painted, that hole will be no more. And that's today's pro project presented by Angie. When you're planning a home renovation, you want to find the best pro for the job. Find expert pros available for hundreds of projects with the Angie app. Download it today. Mario and I was on the line with a window question. What can we do for you? I have a frame, and obviously it's a rectangle, but the top side of that rectangle on the system frame of the masonry in the basement, it's metal. It's a metal bar. And I'm replacing my old window with a glass blocks pre-assembled window. Okay. And the motor, uh, the manufacturer of the motor, I contacted them, and they say that motor does not adhere to metal. So I am going to have a gap between the top side metal bar and the window at about a half inch. And I'm curious what your recommendation is, whether I should just seal it or actually try to find some material to bond it, not just seal it. So the the gap is going to be on the top and the bottom. What about the sides? The sides are okay because they're masonry, they're cement. So that's not a concern. It's some sort of, you know, there was some sort of reinforcing bar I put into the top of the frame, I assume for some structural reason. So that that's my only real concern. The other three sides are masonry and the mortar works fine there. Is this the kind of thing that maybe you could use pressure-treated lumber, half-inch uh piece of a half inch thick piece of say pressure treated lumber plywood or pressure treated plywood as a shim uh yes i would think so yes yeah because i think that's what i would probably use something like that because you want to basically close down the opening so that the window can be secured and you could attach the pressure treated lumber to the old masonry opening and then attach the window to that okay that's a very good suggestion thank you very much
You can call us at 888-MONEYPIT or post your questions at moneypit.com. Let's take a look at what Kate had to say. Now, Kate says, I moved into a dated Rambler about a year ago, and one of the bedrooms clearly had wallpaper that was painted over at some point. I can see a small amount of texture and can definitely see the seams. I'd like to repaint, but should I try to pull this stuff off first or maybe skim coat prime paint again? Uh, I mean, look, wallpaper is making a resurgence, but old wallpaper that's covered with paint is not. And I think it's a really bad idea to try to paint over that again. I think now it's time to dig in and do the job, do the hard work of getting rid of that. And it's painful. It's really a lot of work. I can't overstate that. But the way to make it doable is to do two things. First of all, rent a commercial wallpaper steamer. This will get behind the paper and loosen up the adhesive. And pick up a little tool called a paper tiger, which you roll over the old wallpaper and it puts tiny holes in it that, again, the steam can get behind and start to separate it from the from the wall. But I'm not a fan of painting over wallpaper. Leslie, and I imagine you are not either, right? No, and I can't tell you how many times, and I know this is awful, but on you know the home makeover shows that I did way early, early on in this whole you know thing of home makeover shows, they would. They'd be like, the designer would be like, we're going to paint over the wallpaper. It's going to be great. <laughs> And, you know, it's like you can never make those seams go away. It always has a weird texture or sheen to it. Like, it just doesn't look great. And then it's hard to fix. And it's just a giant mess. So, if you're going to stay there a while and you can't avoid it, go for it. But if you want to do it right, just get rid of that paper and do it all over. (laughs) You'll be so much happier. Uh, For sure. And it's going to look way better. Just make sure you prime the wall when you're all done, because that will kind of seal in all the goo that's left behind, and you'll have an excellent surface for finishing. Yeah, for sure. And don't go with a too shiny of a paint, because you might notice more imperfections. Well, water filters, and especially those in refrigerators, are just not something you think about having to change very often. But if you don't, there might be more than water that you're consuming out of that tap. Leslie explains in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, you know, almost every fridge out there today has water in the door or at least has a built-in ice maker. But that also means that they're going to have a filter that needs changing before it turns toxic. Now, the tap water, it's got to travel through miles and miles of infrastructure before it even gets to your house. And on its way, it's going to pick up a lot of contaminants and your filter is not going to last forever. So most appliance manufacturers recommend changing that water filter every six months. So now is a great time to make that filter change and then mark your calendar for another filter change every six months. And the clean filters not only improve how your water tastes, but filters that go too long long between changes can actually become unhealthy. So when you're ready to change the filter, mark the calendar, but in addition, always grab a Sharpie. This is a great tip and write the date that you replace the filter on that filter itself. So, I mean, it takes the question out of, did I just change this or was it a year ago? And of course, not only are you going to find that that filtered water is delicious and convenient, but it's really a smart and less costly alternative to bottled water. So it all makes sense. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show coming up on the next program. It's almost fall and that time of year when beautiful foliage assembles into a rotted rooftop mess and clogs your gutters, right? So what do you do about that? Well, you clean the gutters and doing it yourself is simple enough. But if you want to skip the ladder, there are some gutter guards that really work. And we're going to share those on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. 
And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.